evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Mahoning Drive-In Theater, the largest single-screen drive-in in the United States. We're certainly glad you could be with us this evening. And don't forget the concession stand is open with all kinds of great things to eat and drink. Mahoning Drive-In Radio, your old friend Virgil back once again for another exciting episode of the podcast. As you guys know, the only podcast dedicated to the love and revival of our beloved drive-in culture. Joined, as always, by co-host and general manager extraordinaire Mark. Say hello, my friend. Hello. And uh, we are going to be answering some fan-submitted questions on this episode, and we figured... Hey, let's bring a little uh, added flavor. And that flavor may taste like Moxie because we got Dave Wharton. Hey. Hey, my friend. Okie dokie. Glad to be here. Let's get this party started. So with the amount of Moxie that you ingest on a regular basis, if someone were to consume your body... Do you think it would have moxie flavoring? Do you think it would soak? Is it, are you like marinating yourself in moxie from within? I don't want to be gross, but I'm just saying as a theoretical question, <laughs> member submitted questions, that much I mean, moxie, would that change the flavor of your body? Go. I have I have cut myself and the blood seems to be carbonated. So I... <laughs> well played. Well, really excited whenever we can get Dave on the podcast. Definitely a fan favorite, which is fitting, being that we're answering some fan-submitted questions. So, Mark, I take it this was put out on a Facebook post or a Patreon post or something like that? This is uh, put out via Patreon. For our Patreon-exclusive episodes, we put it out to the membership of Patreon. We say, ask us any question, give us a topic, whatever you want, and then you will decide what we talk about. And they always deliver. I've not read any of these yet. So who knows which dark roads these may go down, but uh, <laughs> they're always really yeah, dangerous. All right. Yeah. yeah this, we might have to have lawyers involved before the edit is done on this, but uh, they're always really, really good questions. Well, we're all going in blind, but it'll certainly be a fun one. So you can steer us, Mark. Uh, super excited. The, the Patreon is truly made up of super fans. So this should be exciting. First up is Mr. Gene Beretta who I just watched a video of today, recorded last Tuesday as we record this at our Tunnel Vision Tuesday Exhumed Film screening of Deliverance. He and a friend played dueling banjos over the the radio before the film. So Gene's amazing. He was behind our uh, Muppets, uh, Mahoning Muppet Mania, Muppets Take Mahoning show. And uh, he asks this musical question, just a thought. How about if you guys do your own version of the Oscars in October? The Manny. Manny? Moni, Moni, Manny. He says Manny. You have either all customers or just Patreon members vote on your own unique categories like best car, de- best car decoration. I thought it said detonation. I'm not good at reading out loud. Best car decoration, best special event meal, best annual event, best event in the rain. That'd be a lot to choose from this year. Best unexpected event, best double feature, best attendance, and so on. So he's not saying we'll vote on Oscars like what's been released into the world, but what were the the highlights or the best moments of the Mahoning 2023 season? Ooh, I like this. Like do a little yeah. fan poll out there. And uh, how would we award an event? <laughs> we would be awarding ourselves, essentially. Yeah, I would like to revisit the concept of the car detonation. I mean, uh... <laughs> you do handle the the uh, headlights on screen, so I get it. <laughs> and the jump starts, 
Every time Dave yeah. says I need to go jump a car, I'm just I think Evil Knievel, and I'm like, where's the ramp? Like, is <laughs> flaming hoop involved? Not half as fun. <laughs> it, it's you really do have to get a running start when you when you try that, though. I mean, oh, it's parkour. I used okay. to be. Yeah, Gene's the best. Never ever ceases to amaze with the ideas and bringing the fandom. Like you said, that dueling banjos was simply amazing. I'm so upset that I had to miss that screening. The one and only Tuesday screening I'll miss this year. And of course, I miss the dueling banjos. But Gene, if we do that, you'll get the credit, my friend. Special award for best customer suggestion goes to... (laughs) Whole new category. Yeah. Yeah. See, I card detonation, I I didn't realize he was talking about, you know, superlatives for what we did over the course of the year. I thought he was talking about movies or or like drive-in stuff. So best card detonation, that's like a Joe Bob Briggs hubby award kind of thing. (laughs) In my mind, it made sense. So Pete says, I've been coming to the drive-in for years now, and it's truly my happy place. For the weekend long shows, we generally have stayed on the lot except to go get a bite to eat during the day. What restaurants or other attractions do you all recommend in the area for those of us looking for a little adventure between show nights? That's a wow. great question. Because I do a lot of this throughout the year when people say, you know, what is there to do around there? The yeah. answer is not much, but. <laughs> well, that's not 100% true. If you're a foodie, there is definitely some great places to go and eat. We're all fans of the Beacon. Chris and Rick do an amazing job running the local diner. They are super fans in their own right. So if you go in there in a Mahoning t-shirt, you will be treated with love. I always recommend uh, Sapor, which is not far from, or Sapore, however you like to say it, which is not far from the Beacon. And I know Dave's going to agree with me. For those morning breakfast kicks, nothing beats the Perch, previously known as the Bagel Bunch. Holy, yes, holy, highly recommended. I mean, uh, listen, I, I, I'm a big fan of the of the Walmart as well. Um, you know, it's <laughs> uh, they've got a subway. That's true. They, they, uh, might not be what I would consider the uh, the uh, highlight in terms of cuisine, but it's definitely always an adventure if you're if you're looking for thrills and chills. And so. it sounds so strange, like when we recommend a Walmart, because like everybody's got a Walmart, but truly I will put the money down. It might be the most scenic view at a Walmart you've ever seen. It's on top of the hill and there's a great view of the Mahoning screen in the far left distance, uh, which people send us photos of on the regular. It's it's wild. So whether or not you want to go into the Walmart. <laughs> You can go catch a great view of the uh, the beautifully heightened town. I have often wondered, like on some of the nights when when some of our programming gets gets more interesting, what they have got to be thinking up there. Like Troma Weekend, they they probably had that whole area roped off. Like like don't <laughs> like do not overt your eyes over there. You mean? <laughs> yeah, just just. Um, I wish it was that visible. Well, you know, like uh, you would definitely need a good solid set of binocs to really catch a, a nip or something like that in the distance. They should install one of those things that they have at like scenic overlooks, those like binoculars that are like those big metal ones on a tripod where you put a quarter in and you can like see them for like 30 seconds or something. Put one the of show the- for like 30 seconds. Yeah. And then you can point it at our screen and you can see our screen and you nice and nice and close. And uh, the radio station clearly is is heard up there. So there is that we always joked 
that during the Joe Bob weekend when we were sold out and, you know, hundreds or thousands of people wanted tickets, that there was going to be like this other party going on in the corner of the corner of the Walmart parking lot where they, you know, people have binoculars and radios and lawn chairs watching the show from up there. That probably would have drawn a curious crowd for Bloodsucking Freaks Night. I mean, that's that's uh, <laughs> like, what is going on? Yeah, I can definitely say there's the 100-mile view as well, which is not far from the theater, which is, again, just a great place to go and take it in. For anybody who is into uh, outdoorsy, I mean, or is an outdoorsy person, there are so many uh, beautiful lakes and hiking trails and things like that in route. We run along the Appalachian Trail. I always go to Tuscarora, which is heading up toward Tamaqua, do a nice little hike in and then kick up the hammocks on a nice breezy day. It is heavenly. So for anybody who's that stuff, I'm highly recommending. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, we, we were very close to Jim Thorpe as well. So which, you know, is I I've gone into Jim Thorpe. Uh, they have some great shops in there. Uh, the bookstore in Jim Thorpe who was actually with us on, uh, he was there for the haunt. No, one of our uh, vendor weekends, he was there. I think our first one up at the drive-in with us and great bookstore, great selection, fans and friends of the drive-in. So um, if, if you get the opportunity, a trip into Jim Thorpe is, is always a pleasant little diversion too. Now, I'm speaking as somebody who was a customer for years and slept on the lot and now as an employee sometimes sleeps on the lot. And I am the opposite. What can I do indoors during the day? So <laughs> there, there is just up the street. If you know, you're done with at night, we provide you the retro films. But during the day, there is an indoor theater, Mahoning Valley Cinema, just up the street that has, I think, six screens. There's an AMC Center Valley that I often will go to during the day to see movies. Part of it is because I love to see movies and part of it is to you know, get into some AC. Uh, there's Country Junction, the world's largest general store, not far from us, which is a wild walkthrough with weird animatronic displays <laughs> and everything from a pet store to furniture to home improvement to candy to petting zoo outside. A petting zoo or just a zoo where you can feed alpacas and llamas and other creatures with underbites. And then yeah. near that is the Waldorf Estate, which is a indoor haunted house, which was used in the film Hell House LLC. So a lot of film location fans like to go and see that. Yeah. Um, there's back to the arcade, which was in, in Allentown, within an hour of us. Cool retro arcade where you can pay a, one price and play all day for free. Um, I like uh, the Gorge, which is an eatery in, is it Weissport? Very, very close to the Mahoning. And just up the street from that in Weissport is uh, Chantilly, which is a retro uh, ice cream soda fountain uh, candy store. Just went there last weekend. There's a lot of little things to do to kill time. A Quaker Town Farmer's Market, you can kill a day there looking at all the antiques and weird booths of people selling things. Yeah, there's there's plenty to do during the day. Even if you come often, you can uh, occupy your time until the night falls. Yeah, and I think that's a huge part of the draw, you know, is we're, we're literally right next to a huge tourist town. We get tourists all the time. And the idea of extending that stay, that's kind of part of it. You know, it's a great way to experience the area on the cheap. Uh, Lyle Moyer says, a quick question. Who is each of your favorite actor or actresses that you have not yet seen on the Mahoning screen? Lyle, we love you, bro. God, that we have not seen? That's what makes it hard. That makes it really hard. 
Oh my gosh. We've done such a good job to tap into so many amazing genres and play amazing. I'm trying to think of just like, you know, the kind of top actors. Have we ever done a um, Daniel Day-Lewis? I don't think we've ever had a Daniel Day up on the uh, Mahoney screen. His uh, films are more artsy than we generally would show. I can't think of anything we would have shown that was popular mainstream enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I would say it would be a lot of the modern people, you know? If it weren't for Tarantino Agogo, you know, we wouldn't hit a lot of huge ones, you know? Uh, just because that's not necessarily the uh, uh, era that we've tapped into until recent. It's hard because even, like, like, I would say Jerry Lewis, but we did technically run a Jerry Lewis movie during one of our Patreon shows, but we never went for the public. So I'd love to see Jerry Lewis film up there. Uh, Raquel Welch. Heck yeah. I, I mean, anything of hers. this is probably going to blow a mind, but like um, Brando, have we ever had Brando on that score? We did, did I... run the wild one during right. the weekend years ago. Yeah. But I think about it. It's like, you know, there's so much meat on that bone, ba been barely tapped at this point in the Mahoning uh, run. But there's a ton like that, you know? You think about um, the great dramatic performances throughout time. And, you know, there's indoor movies and there's drive-in movies. And dramas don't necessarily get programmed a ton at drive-in. Certainly not at the Mahoning. So, you know, that opens up a big, wide well. And even tapping into some of these actor nights or retrospectives, you know, that Cusack event, I think before that, what other Cusack did we have up there? You know, that was and that was a that drew in a, a huge crowd. I mean, we got a lot more um, feedback on that one or it was much more popular than I think we had initially anticipated. I think Mark put it perfectly. It is like the alternate uh, John Hughes fan base. Like there were people who were into the john hughes movies and then there were the people who were more the savage steve holland group and those people came out in a big bad way for that event oh heck yeah but even the hanks weekend when we did hanksgiving you know it's not like we're playing tom hanks movies all the time at the mahoning drive theater you know i think that might have been the first time we tapped them was for that hanksgiving event well i mean i can tell you that i'm excited to see bill murray up there on the screen for the ghostbusters event i'd love to see you know some I, I mean i'm a big fan of his early stuff i mean how much fun would it be to see meatballs on the big screen and um stripes and i mean i now understand i don't have the same length of history in terms of what's been shown in the past so i have a more modern frame of reference but that would be a fun one because i mean bill murray would definitely bring out some fans there are some people that are just beloved i know at a certain point and it, it may come around not to show our hand but we were talking about just like a jeff goldblum event like who doesn't love jeff goldblum and there's so much meat on that bone crosses over all sorts of different genres so that's the nice thing is even if we haven't hit them yet if we love them, we're going to find a way around, you know? Can we get maybe Tim Curry up there on that screen before it has to become a tribute show? It is so great that, well, that's that's not great, but 
<laughs> that is so great that you suggest that because it was literally front runner for a potential event in October coming up. And again, showing the hand, but trademark Mahoning Drive-In Theater, a flurry of curry. <laughs> a December show. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I really would like to see Ernest Borgnine on that show for on that screen for oh, we've should between seven and ten films. Dude, I'd be in. Nine's probably the better I think so, yeah. Nine might be the number. Borg nine. Yeah. I mean, it writes itself. Well listen, as long as you program uh the wild bunch in there, I'm 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 in. I'm 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 not. That's 100%. the thing. We joke about Borgnine, but when you look at his filmography, there are just so many home runs in that in that filmography, along with some really good lesser known movies. But he was in so many great films for several decades. Heck yeah. So Rob Tillich says, I've loved being a Patreon Simplex member for the last three seasons. And while I always try to say thanks in person and on Instagram, I've often wondered if there was anything else I could do for the Mahoning staff. Virgil often says at the Patreon screenings, we couldn't do this without you, but I was wondering if there were any staff and Mahoning facility upgrades I and anyone who wanted to join me could fund. What's on the Mahoning upgrade bucket list that needs funding? Snack Shack AC, lot drainage work, bathroom redo expansion, screen painting party, help us help you. Yes to all, I say. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, in reality, it's uh, I, I say we are in these super infant stages of growing this business and really all the funds that we make go right back into putting on the party and the uh, show. So it's really tough to do these bigger projects, but all those ones you mentioned absolutely are undertakings on the list. Uh, once we get over this uh, hump, you know, we can uh, really lean into it, but. I would say next year for sure, the screen painting is going to be a necessity, although it's not terrible. The only thing that's the issue, a couple of the nails uh, that are rusted create a little rundown in the middle of the screen. Not enough to throw off your uh, site, but certainly an easy fill with uh, a nice coat of paint. Now, how, uh, Birch, let, me, let me ask, because I've, I've never been here for that and this is a non-patreon question in the patreon questions but how how do you do that like do we bring in a bucket loader do you yeah do we just hook a bunch of people up to bungee cords and just snap them up <laughs> hang them from the questionable scaffold up top uh dude there's nobody that should hang from <laughs> that I, yeah. I worry that the ravens are gonna fall off that scaffold up top <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a project that we uh, source to another company. They come out and help us bring out box trucks and get a fresh coat on there. So we were, I guess, lucky in a sense in that the timing of our run, right about five years in, we lost the wing of the screen, which forced us to repair and repaint. So it's fairly fresh in that sense, you know, but definitely worth doing. It's so tough because people do ask us all the time, like, why don't you guys crowdsource fund? You got a great fan base and blah, 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 blah. There's an element of uh, crowdsource funding that is a huge plus, you know? And there's also an element where it kind of feels a little uh, hat in hand, you know? But 
I certainly am open to the idea of bringing some people on to help invest in some of these bigger projects. I haven't had a chance to talk to Jeff about this, so I don't know if you'll cut this out or not, but we were approached by somebody about bringing back the neon on the marquee, which of course we all got very, very excited about. And, you know, the price tag that comes with that is not small, but that the people who run that company pretty much flat out said, you know, if you guys crowdsource fund, we've seen success with crowdsource fund, blah, blah, blah. So it's it's definitely an option, you know? Well, I think maybe Verge, even, even beyond crowdsourcing the funds, I think, you know, if we can crowdsource the expertise, maybe in a sense, you know, like if you are somebody with experience in construction and building it would be great for us to know who you are and your availability so that if we do have a construction project that we're considering you know maybe we could bring you in and get your you know your opinion or get your feedback on the right way to approach it you know sometimes because we don't always know, you know, the best way to approach electrical or construction. So availing ourselves of, of expertise that it's out there um, and available to us might also be a, an option. Absolutely. Everything that we have is because somebody stepped up and, you know, was willing to do it, you know. So it's truly a team effort in that sense. So, Rob, don't be a stranger, buddy. You reach out. <laughs> Dave Wright says, Hi guys, with the popularity this season of the 14-foot Godzilla in the corner of the lot, I'm going to give each of you the ability to blink your eyes like I Dream of Genie and have a 14-foot version of our favorite fictional character magically appear on the lot next season. Who you got? I'm going to go with Roman from Robot Monster. So what kind of 14-foot thing would you love to suddenly see there if it was not in the way of anybody's viewing angle? Wow. That's craziness. <laughs> I keep thinking of like um, the dinosaur set from uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, you know, and it's, right. uh, you know, all the different characters all over the place. Gosh, that's a tough one. You know, I'm sure when we do Kongathon, people are going to expect there to be a giant King Kong now. We'll just I throw was just We'd lay him down like at the end of the movie. <laughs> He's just huge laying there. And we'll see, you know. Yeah, that's a tough one. Maybe classic sci-fi. You know, a, a big old robot out there would be super fun. Um, who, Which drive-in was it that we talked to who had the spaceship on the way in? Was that the Starlight? Starlight, that's it. The Starlight drive-in has a spaceship on the way in. And, you know, it's one of those things that it's like their calling card. Everything ha has a space orbit type of theme to it. And, uh, yeah, I love that type of showmanship. You know, theming it to what we do. Could you imagine, like, a an oversized projector out there? It's like, look at that, that giant replica E7 they got in the corner. <laughs> I'd go with, like, maybe, maybe Gort from Day the Earth Stood Still, which was a giant robot anyway yeah. with, with that maybe the visor flips up and the eye glows red that would be kind of cool that would be kind of cool could we could we, could we do a, a shark exploitation weekend and get like a 14 foot shark there 
I'm sure we could get a giant inflatable, right? Like, that would be the move, is just have him taking up, like, a huge portion of the front row. <laughs> just like, he's, it's it's a show. It's a show. Yeah. I'd like a giant 14-foot replica of George Hamilton in Zorro the Gay Blade. In yeah! The One of the more brightly colored satin Zorro costumes. Oh, just, yeah. Just the, to confuse the, people in the, when they come in. With the tassels and, like, the pom-poms on it. Funny uh, Wigglesworth, yeah. yes. So they walk in, they go, is George Hampton? We are one step away from roadside attraction for sure. It's like, <laughs> look, it's the biggest uh, ball of yarn hanging out on the side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, we love you so much. Dave gives us so much. And he took that great shot of uh, the SAG strike picket line Godzilla as well, which uh, went a bit viral on the socials. That's, That's getting shared a lot. That's really pretty impressive. Smart idea. Uh, Big G. I mean, who's, who bigger can come out to support, right? Hey. Michael Schilling says, we recently heard about a unique off-menu item called the Gottlieb. See our previous uh, podcast about that. Hot dog bits on a bed of tater tots. Yes. Are there any other Mahoning secret menu items or odd pairings that the crew or guests have come up with? Yes. Hell yes. The, oh way, that, the way the food special thing started was when Andrew was cooking, he came up with some weird combination of the things that were already in the the food bin that he had already made just as like a, as a goof. And we started referring to that as a secret menu item and we started offering them and you had to you had to know to ask for it, but it was there. We didn't really promote it like we do now. Now we we announce it ahead of time. You know what you're going to get. But I think the most ridiculous was called the Great Scott and it was for Back to the Future the first time we ran that. And it was everything in the hopper between two pieces of bread. So it was a hamburger, a chicken patty, mozzarella sticks, French fries, maybe onion rings, something else. It was you had to like dislocate your jaw to eat it. <laughs> I had one and it probably shortened my life by a percentage, but it was very good. Yeah, those early years, it truly was like a, you know, kitchen sink scenario where it's like, what do we got? But greatness comes out of that. Still to this day, that Reese's Peanut Butter Cup burger is like something out of uh, uh, a culinary dream, fever dream. <laughs> or, or nightmare. It's It sounds wrong, but it, it works. It's a little sweet and a little cool. salty on a burger. It was, it was interesting. It was you know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm missing this stuff out, out of the gate because I'm like, I'm in the complete dark here. So I'm, <laughs> Who are I'm, the learning, I'm learning now, too. But yeah, uh, Mama D Beth does an amazing job. What she does is she'll bring in additional menu items. So, you know, for the special, she'll order something literally special that we don't offer to create and concoct this madness that people come from miles around to get. We put out a social media post. Our neighbor shows up almost nightly in either his truck or what we love is when he shows up on his lawnmower. He's literally a, a couple houses down. <laughs> ride over after he cuts the grass and roll through the gate, get his food, roll out with it, you know, putting on his lawnmower. And I'm like, if that's not a, a perfect sign of <laughs> the love of this food, it's crazy. It, it truly is. I, it, the best is when he does drive through the gate on his lawnmower. That's, that's priceless. My favorite. Yeah. Gottlieb could be two different items because I know at, a certain point, Rob ran out to get a fresh tomato. So he had a, a burger with a big old piece of tomato on it. So that's not something we traditionally offer. 
so that's I guess uh the Gottlieb too. Yeah, I'm trying to think. There over time there were some really well there was they made burgers. I mean it was a public offering, but burgers with cotton candy on them. Yes. Well, I think killer clowns. Um there have been some frightening things frightening things concocted over time. It's such a hard sell, but like for a while we were going with the colored condiments. So like it would be like green ketchup on you know top of the burger for uh Ghostbusters or something like that, you know? But there's an element of trying to have it be appetizing as well. And <laughs> we had bought an amount and we, we needed to use it. So it was for Ghostbusters ah. or it was for Ninja Turtles or for something. And Bro. we kept putting it out to try to use it up. And everybody was just like, yeah, I'll go with the red ketchup. Thanks. Thank you very much. I don't trust it. <laughs> when you're eating it in, a, in the dark, it still tastes the same, whatever color. Exactly. So Brian Wallace says, tough question to articulate, so please bear with me. I'm terrible at reading out loud, so please bear with me. Is there a movie where you're happily watching it and something specific happens in the plot that you just sours the entire movie for you? Maybe the hero doesn't wind up with the girl you want or the villain doesn't get punished enough. Something that just offends your moral code so severely that you actively dislike the movie. You can mention the special effects or grandeur, but you're the kind of person when someone mentions the movie Titanic, your first thought is Leo could have totally fit on that door. <laughs> For me, despite using a great Leonard Cohen song and having Hall of Fame nudity, Mr. Skin's words, not mine, in uh, Take This Waltz, the instant that Michelle Williams dumps her kind, funny husband, Seth Rogen, for that D-bag tour guide he doesn't deserve to be named, that movie is dead to me. Holy she even actively rooted for the director to lose an Oscar last year, she did, and experienced schadenfreude that Michelle Williams' career has gone from being nominated for an Oscar to being the love interest in the Venom movies. <laughs> That's amazing. I told you these are the best questions ever. Holy crap. Well, seriously, that is a great one. Because I do love that movie, but like, oh my god, yeah. Well, it's like... Um, at the end of the last American Virgin, where the the dude shows up after going through all of that, and she like turns up with the the slime bag anyway. I mean, that's like, nope, nope, I'm not watching that one again. Thanks, I'm good, I'm out. There's definitely plenty of examples. I mean, the animal thing for sure, where it's like, I loved me a good horror movie, but like the back in the day, it was like in vogue to include an animal piece of animal violence you know and that's oh, pretty uh, you know a hard line but i got for me it's like like i love pet cemetery but i have a hard time with it after i became a, like a parent because it's like that's a tough like that's tough that's a tough scene to watch and yeah that's a good call too you know Certain things like I really, really have to be uh, to go down that rabbit hole. You know, there was another one uh, with Nicole Kidman that involved losing a kid. And it was just like I could not make it through, you know, well, ever since I became a parent. And it's just like any movie where like the kid dies is just like, oh, I, I don't think I need to watch that more than once. I see it with Virgie now, too, where, like, we try stuff out in the movie theater. If something happens to a parent, which, like, that's every superhero movie, he's totally checked out. He's like, forget it. Nope. Mom, the mom got stabbed. I'm out. <laughs> How many movies are you bringing him to where the mother gets stabbed? 
You know, it's funny because I just tried to take him to The Flash recently. And within the first 20 minutes of that movie, yeah, Flash's mom gets stabbed. And he was he literally turned to me. I was like, let's get out of here. <laughs> Disney is like a parent serial killer. I mean, they're just like, <laughs> if you're a parent in a Disney movie, you're marked. Prep them young, you know, young for heartbreak. I can't yeah. think of any film where one thing turned me off to it. Usually it's something else. It's just like, it's just not good. It's yeah. not like I'm, oh, I'm totally cool with it. And then one thing sours me. There probably have been in the history of my movie watching, but more than, more than not, it's like, it's somebody I don't like. Well, I, I guess that might be it. Somebody I don't like is in it, but usually it's just, it's a, an amalgam of things and not just one. Right. Performances. I mean, I was definitely a stickler for that type of stuff. But I liken it to music, where it's like, I can still like elements of the band, but not all the elements of the band, or I'll just write it off as, I don't like that, you know? So movies definitely the same way, where it's like, one performance isn't going to totally uh, ruin it for me. I think there, if it's, if it's a case where there was a performance in it, and you later found out something about the actor and they were like a really reprehensible human being. I sometimes find it hard to revisit a movie there as well. Or if, you know, like a movie years ago wasn't as cringe, but now kind of social mores or, or attitudes have changed a bit. And now it really is like, no, that's not cool. You know, you think about it now and like how, did American Beauty win an Oscar? You know, it, 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 between Kevin Spacey and the whole, like, really cringy concept of the whole thing, it's like, yikes. Um, <laughs> yeah, that'll be a stain on the Oscars uh, list for sure. It, it is funny how social uh, mores, if you will, can shift in hindsight relatively quickly. Because it doesn't seem to me like that movie was that long ago. But... Yeah. In whatever amount of time it was, yeah, the the central plot of that is something you probably wouldn't do now, and uh, some things happen even in an even shorter span of time than that. But uh, he's a great example where it's like, uh, it's funny because in the documentary, people ask me about that booking board that shows up for a second with all the names on it, and Bill I'll, Cosby, Kevin Spacey. People all say if you. Sit pause it and zoom in there's a couple names that have to be crossed off that list because it's like and that will certainly spoil it where it's like ah, i would love to go back and revisit you know usual suspects or program <laughs> usual suspects <laughs> right tough sell you know when you got the the state the spacey stain even the weinstein stain with the miramax stuff now oh. it's like you know so much of the miramax stuff and don't even get me started on, we certainly, I don't think, could ever in book a Woody Allen weekend. I mean, not unless that would be a real questionable choice. So, yeah, there's there's some some touchstones there that probably are tough. Mm -hmm. George Ebby asks, would you ever consider opening a satellite branch in another region? Either take over a site that is looking to close down or partner with an owner who would like to emulate your brand and business model. I live in Ohio and would love to have a version of the Mahoning closer to home. No. <laughs> that is the short answer. 
Yeah, we have gotten this question before. We've gotten people who've reached out before. It's one of the cells of the Mahoning is that it's insanely destination. It's not something that's replicated in every town. It's not something that is super accessible for everybody. And that's a huge part of the Mahoning lore. We have people who make a point to travel across the country, and it may be their one time, it may be their annual trip, but it's something that's incredibly special, the fact that it is a standalone, singular, one-of-a-kind thing. I think what would make more sense is if uh, the Mahoning had a a first-run site, you know, so we could have fun with some first-run stuff, too, or to have a indoor location, you know, that could continue the fun in the off season if you will but you know it we never want the fun to stop but that those six months especially now we thought 200 films was a lot last year when we came in for a landing boy oh boy did we raise the bar this year so it's a really fantastic thing that we offer but it's also an insanely exhausting one and the idea of doing it times two I don't know if anybody's jumping at that. I <laughs> Yeah, that's what that's what I always think when that comes up is that you'd be spreading it too thin. I mean, it, it's it's the magic and the uniqueness of this one place that involves all of us doing what we do and if you tried to do multiple locations, uh, you'd be putting less into it, I think. You know, we focus everything we have every waking moment for a lot of us is trying to make each one of these weekends amazing and if we had to suddenly split that between another or basically hand it off to somebody else. It wouldn't be us doing it. Um, yeah. I, I appreciate wishing it was closer because, uh, you know, all my life since the internet, at least, I've looked at theaters from far away and said, oh my God, I would totally go there if I didn't live 11 hours away or whatever. And eventually I just became a guy who started driving 11 hours away because, you know, you experience these things or you don't. Ultimately, you have to, you, you have to be in it to win it. So. I started driving, you know, six and a half hours to the Mahoning regularly so I could see a double feature, a Shatner double feature of the Devil's Reign in Kingdom of the Spiders because nobody else in the country was going to do that. Nobody else was had so little to lose like the Mahoning did at that point to show something crazy like that. So I, um, not to not to say, you know, we, we, we didn't wish everybody had something that they could easily get to that did something this cool. If you keep your eye out, there are a lot of drive-ins that do cool stuff. None of them quite do it the way we do it, and and that's what makes drive-ins great. Everybody does it their own way. But uh, to get the Mahoning Drive-In Theater experience, it's got to be Lehigh in Pennsylvania. That's right. See, what we should do, if you want to do something indoor, is we should do a retro video store during the off-season where we stock it with the interesting titles that we all recommend and bring the Mahoning vibe to an old school video store. Tempt me, Dave. <laughs> Partner with lunch meat on that? Oh my gosh. Could you imagine? That's like, in a weird way, my whole adult life has been trying to get back to that. I don't know if it was the ease, but the amazing time period running the, the video store. Oh yeah. God, dude. I, I would... I that would be a dream. I, I still say that the years I was at PNB Video was, was like my favorite job ever. <laughs> I mean, it was just delightful. I mean, we could just do like a full clerks and just go back to the to the uh, quick stop version two. Come on, Verge, we build this. I mean, uh, if you build it, Dante and Randall, we got we got this. 
Yeah, I love that idea. People actually do ask, uh, you know, what would you guys do if you could have something else on the lot, you know? And man, wouldn't that be fun? Like an expanded rental video store that you could hit up while you come to the Mahoney. I know early on we talked about the arcade and we just had our video game weekend and had some cabs set up inside the concession stand. And boy, is that tempting. If we had the space, psh, Rob, call us. <laughs> William Sebastian says, I love your podcast where you chat with drive-in owners. My question is, have you ever talked to an owner and thought, I want that for the Mahoning, like 90-second pizza cookers? Yes. And also, if that's a boring question, can you explain what the drive-in owner convention you mentioned is about? So first of all, um, I think the answer is unanimously yes. Part of what is so fascinating about these owner interviews that we've done in most of this season of the show is hearing what works for them and getting great ideas. I'm not going to say that we'll rip off, but it might inspire us to try to pursue some things that we've never thought of doing before. And again, what I'll say endlessly, every drive-in does things their own way, and that's what makes them great. And that's what makes every one of them worth going to. And we've thoroughly enjoyed talking to our fellow owners. Um, we didn't want this entire you know, season of our of, of being open to be entirely podcast talking to other owners, but we'll do that again next year. We'll start in the off season and we'll have another dozen or more interviews because we really love talking to other people who, who know our, our joys and sorrows as, as well as we know theirs. The question was the Utatoa convention. Yes. So it, it moves around, but I, I know that it's a lot of times based in Florida because they do it in the off seasons warm there. But it's pretty much a meetup of drive-in owners. They go down there. And as you could ex uh, would expect, uh, there's also companies there that are shilling their newest wares. Very much like CinemaCon is set up for all the drive... Or I'm sorry, for all the theater owners to come and uh, see all the new stuff that's coming out or coming for the year. It's like that, but on a smaller scale. My understanding is that there are two meetings every year there is an unofficial which anybody can attend or anybody who's invited by a drive-in owner and that's usually hosted by a local drive-in and that changes every year i went to one i was the guest of the uh, todd and emma who run the riverside drive-in and it was in connecticut and they knew i lived near there at the time so i was able to go and sit in at this utatoa meeting where they basically you know shot the breeze and the president of utatoa is the united drive-in theaters of america by the way and they would talk about, you know, what their issues were, which at the time was a lot of just, you know, percentage percentages from the theaters, uh, digital stuff, digital projectors, all that kind of stuff. And then they would have like a big chow down and they had this, they had a former fire truck. So like a big red fire engine that had a brick oven pizza oven built into it. So that place drove up outside and we were eating pizzas and having cannoli and stuff outside. It was really cool. And then the official annual meeting is in Orlando every year. And I think they also go to some local drive-in. Didn't we talk to one of the, the Silver Moon drive-in? Didn't they talk about that? They may have hosted the Utatoa meeting down there one year because they're pretty close to Orlando. Right. Yeah, and it's one of those things um, very much like what the podcast had become with those owners. It's a way to, you know, uh, connect with your fellow owners and chat and let loose a bit. So it's one of those things, I think, that unintentionally with those drive-in owners podcasts it gave us an element of that you know um, we were doing it to shine a light on the drive-in culture but it gave us so many pointers tips inspirations 
I mean, what people have gone through to get to where they're a drive-in owner. That is like the most interesting thing to me, you know, as somebody who now finds himself in the midst of this. So it's uh, it's been a, such a blessing. I can't wait to do more. Christopher Bear says, when will we get the reveal for the Columbus Day weekend lineup, Saturday and Sunday night specifically? We need to know. When is Columbus Day? Yeah, what's he talking about? Let's look that up. I have no idea when Columbus Day is. The 6th and the 7th of Shocktober. Yes, I will say that it is a returning event. A very popular 35mm enthusiast. We will be paying ode once again to Mr. Quentin Tarantino. So uh, I won't spoil the titles, but it has become many, many's favorite event of the year. QT, the love of 35mm, what the Mahoning does, match made in heaven. So stay tuned. It's going to be great. We're teaming with Exhumed on that one again, of course. Harry bringing the heat. And we got the connections with QT, which is really, really great. And this year, we're working in a special angle for the Friday and Saturday special or secret extra feature each night. So stay tuned, kids. I've seen the titles, and they are good. <laughs> yeah, when you're talking QT, it's like, throw whatever you want at me, we'll be there. And that's what I loved about the previous installments of that. I mean, the, the Tarantino movies, you know, they're great. We know the Tarantino movies, but those extra features that were the ones that were the films that inspired the films you had just watched, or in many cases, movies I'd never seen, I'd never had the ability to see on the big screen, and, and it was really cool to see those. So Definitely. It was almost like I sat through the Tarantino movies to get to those secret movies, and which I didn't know what they were going to be until they hit the screen. And I was very pleasantly surprised in every case. So we have one more question. Mr. Zachariah Smith, Simplex member extraordinaire. This year's Tunnel Vision Tuesdays feature a lot of comedies for the first time. Box office wise, how do those do compared to the more traditional exhumed films fare? Yeah, I love the fact that Harry's been spreading the wings. And I would like to think that the uh, the Mahoning programming uh, in general has influenced that. And honestly, there's only so much horror that you can do until you become the horror drive-in as well. So just like we like to give love to as many genres as possible, Harry's in that mode. And Tuesday is a really great way to experiment with some of that stuff. Could I ever see Harry putting together like a, you know, a classic comedy weekend at the Mahoning? Probably not. But the idea of dropping in gems, we just enjoyed the Naked Gun last night, which was nothing is better than a comedy at, at the lot because you can oh, yeah. just every, it's infectious. It's like seeing a comedy in a theater in general. It's that connection with people, that sense of humor that it just makes a comedy better. So honestly, Tuesdays have found a great average, which was our hope in general for all of our shows. Uh, but Tuesday in general has certainly found its audience. It's not always the same people that come, but it is certainly around the same number every single week. Uh, sometimes it fluctuates, but I don't necessarily blame that on the programming or the title. I think there is a certain amount of people that come Regardless of what is playing, it doesn't matter. They're just looking for a weekday out, and this has become kind of their their tradition. I would say horror definitely is the pull for the exhumed crowd, but we all encourage the idea of, of more stuff like this. 
What's funny is that so many of those comedies this year are movies that I've I've been wanting to see again, which I haven't been able to make it out, but I think would make great weekends for us. And they're a nice little way to test the waters on interest for a Zucker weekend or a Police oh. Academy weekend or a Chevy Chase weekend or all these other things that we've batted around for a long time. Just because they play on a Tuesday doesn't mean they're never going to show up again. In many cases, it's a, it's a test run for something else. Yeah. Yeah. Being there for Airplane was a delight. Uh, that movie, I I never fail to laugh at that movie. It, it just, it, it it's so delightful. And one of the, just like Naked Gun, so many jokes landed on me that I had missed the first time that I watched it, which likely I was young, you know. But boy, oh boy, it's just nonstop with those, uh, the Zucker gold. Gold, baby, gold. Jeff and I, I've said this a million times on the podcast, but Jeff and I have talked about a Zucker weekend for years. So it's its just a matter of finally saying we're going to do it because we've already got it all planned out down to the secret features, down to what's on in the snack bar. Uh, that's all we have for uh, Patreon submitted questions for the month of August 2023. Well, always delivering those Patreoners. Since this is a podcast for all going out to the entire world, why don't you let the folks know about the Patreon? They still have plenty of time to take advantage of the on-site perks and uh, season perks. Sure. Uh, Patreon is a way for you, the individual, to support the Mahoning Drive-In Theater in Lehighton, Pennsylvania. It's a monthly subscription thing. It's $4.99, it's $9.99, it's $19.99. Each tier has it's more perks than the one below it and the ones more than and including the, the perks in the tier below it. And it's just an exclusive way for us to just share content and an inside look at the theater. So it could be anything from photos that we don't put out anywhere else, exclusive podcasts, uh, recordings of the DJ sets that go on at the theater. Sometimes DJ sets that are recorded for Patreon, um, all of the introductions we have for films, whether it is a guest who's on the lot introducing a film from the projection booth or it's a pre-recorded intro that's sent to us those all go on patreon so people can see those if we have a q a at the theater we try to record all of those and put them on patreon there's a lot of stuff that really doesn't fit into our hectic promotional schedule for our main social media our, our facebook and our instagram and it goes to patreon if the top tier simplex members it's not a disease it's the, well it is but it's not referring to a disease it's referring to the type of projector we have at the theater simplex e7 projectors the simplex level people get free virtual screenings once a month. Usually that's pulled from the AGFA library. So it's all kinds of weird oddball films and you can watch together. And I put it together as like an evening at the theater, so a single feature evening. So we put together like a 20 minute pre-show of trailers and old 35 millimeter stuff digitally. And uh, I do a DJ set before that, like you would hear at the theater. Virgil comes on and introduces the film, usually drops a little knowledge on something that's coming out that we haven't announced yet. And then we do uh, the screening as though you're at the theater through Zoom. And then once a month from April to October, we have in-person 35 millimeter screenings for our, those members. And those are all culled from either collector's prints or prints that we own ourselves. And that's mostly kind of hard to see films that we normally wouldn't show or we haven't shown to the public yet or haven't hit our screen in decades. And part of it is a way to evaluate and see these 
this large number of films we've purchased and part of it is just a way to have fun with the, you know the hardest of the hardcore film fans and we'll throw weird trailers up there and weird film shorts and all kinds of stuff and it's like a it's like the early days it's usually 20 or 30 people on the lot on a thursday night once a month and it's it's a heck of a lot of fun so it's it's uh, the drive-in ciders club if you go to patreon.com forward slash mahoning drive-in you can find all the information it's also linkable from our website mahoningdit.com and uh, i have a lot of fun working on it daily and the members seem to have a lot of fun uh consuming and, and interacting with it so uh it's uh, a good time it's a fantastic time uh, the virtual and in-person screenings are some of the best memories of the last couple of years so also it's you know it's what it is mark it's the personality of the theater there's only so much that we can get out on these social medias and especially now that we've upped our game with the amount of shows that we do um it really is a non-stop tool to promote and it's really nice to have a place to go and kind of spend a little more time with your old friends you know and uh and also get those perks. I mean, the intros that people happen to miss when they can't make it to the lot, the Patreoners love that. It's like they don't miss a beat, even if they have to miss the beat, you know? Well, that's the thing, too, is like if you join, I, I try to let new people know this. The content all stays there on Patreon. It's like Facebook. It's You just keep scrolling down or you can search. It's It goes back years now. Patreon is, I think we've this like our third or more fourth, maybe year doing the Patreon. And it's really all the intros that have happened on site since then. So if if you find out like, oh man, I missed that show when Frank Oz introduced Little Shop of Horrors. Well, that's on there on Patreon or yeah. all the, the Q and A's with the Twin Peaks people or the Q and A's with Greg Sestero or whoever. We try to put it all on Patreon because it's just not, it doesn't make sense to put it all out into the wild world out there. Yeah, totally. And Mark does an amazing job. The way Patreon works, it allows you to hashtag. So, like, if you're a Dave fan, you can, you know, click the hashtag uh, Lot Dave or whatever his uh, moniker is on the the Patreon, and you can see all the content with Dave in it. It's it's really well done and a, a great platform for us. So, do not hesitate. Great way to support, especially for those who aren't even in state. I love whenever we get questions from the Patreoners and it's like, hey, I'm from California. It's like, come on, it's beautiful. Um, all right. Well, this has been a blast, guys. Thank you for making the time. I'm sure the audience will uh, enjoy this thoroughly. And until next time, Jeff, take it away, my friend. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks again for coming out tonight to the Mahoning Drive-In Theater. We hope you'll come back and see us again real soon. The exit is on the right-hand side of the screen at the front of the field. And most importantly, have a very safe trip home. Good night and God bless you.